I came to some crossroads and I had to make some tough decisions. I've learned two things when I've come to those crossroads, two important lessons. Number one is, is that even though I don't feel like it, I need to always do what the scriptures say to do. That was the first lesson I learned. If, if I'm going to be a man of God or a woman, or if you're going to be a woman of God, <laughs> can't be that. <laughs> we don't believe in that around here. <laughs> if I'm going to be the man God's called me to be, then I've got to have my life anchored and centered on something. Amen? And the first thing I need, the first lesson I learned is, is I need to be willing to do this even when I don't feel like it. Because we all, we don't always feel like doing what the Bible says, right? It says somebody hits you on one side, turn your cheek, give them the other side. I don't like that verse. I wish it said slap them back and then ask God to forgive you. I like that verse. <laughs> Pray for me. The second lesson I learned was that every time I come to a crossroads and I've got to make a tough decision, the Holy Spirit is with me. He's not leaving me. Jesus said, God said, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you alone. Right? I'm not, I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm not going to leave you hanging. The Holy Spirit's with me. So the Holy Spirit would comfort me during those times I had to make those tough decisions. And I realized something very powerful, that when I stand on this, especially when I don't feel like it, and I do what the scriptures tell me to do, I get this overwhelming, confirming peace from the Holy Spirit that says, great job, my son, well done. Even though everybody else is looking at me like a sucker, all of heaven is saying, you the man. And I would rather hear their voice than hear somebody else's voice. Amen? The Holy Spirit confirms in me, you made the right decision. There's nothing like sleeping on the pillow of obedience. Come on, somebody. It's the best pillow there is. <clears throat> Amen? So there's, there's crossroads we're going to face. You're going to come to a, a place one day, if you haven't yet, where you're going to face some crossroads when it comes to money. I'm not talking about just giving. I'm talking about how you relate to money. You're going to come to a crossroads one day in your relationship with money and your relationship with God. There's going to be an issue one day. Look at your neighbor and say, there's going to be an issue. And the Bible's very clear, and you need to understand that the Bible is crystal clear when it comes to money and God. Jesus taught that the financial system of this world is in direct opposition to God's kingdom. And watch this. He said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Powerful words. He says, no one. Say no one. Look at your neighbor and say, not even you. No one can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other. He will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Not money, money. I've got personal experience with this one. Early on in business, we started making some money. And man, I like to make money. Come on, somebody. I like to make money. I like to go back and tell the boys what you made. Brag a little bit, talk a little chat. Come on, am I in the right church this morning? I like to make, the, the problem was is I love God, but I didn't realize that I was falling in love with making money. And then all of a sudden I found myself in this crossroads of life where I was tempted to serve money instead of serving God. Let me tell you how it showed up in my life. I knew I was called to ministry at an early age. 
I knew that one day I was going to be in ministry. The Holy Spirit spoke that to me a long time ago. And I, I was always looking forward to that day. But regardless if I was called to ministry or not, I was still to serve God, no matter what, right? So I, I, I started making some money. I'm in the business world. I got this desire to serve God. Man, I want to I be a part of everything that he's doing in the local church that I'm planted in. But I, ooh, I could go work on Saturday and Sunday, make a little extra money. Oh, I could lie my pocket. It would feel good. I just missed church once or twice. You know, no big deal. And I found myself tormented. I wanted this and I wanted this. But the word says you can't have both, bruh. You can't have both. You're going to serve one and you're going to hate the other. You get to choose which one that is. Just like I got to choose which one that was. I understand the temptation. Listen to me. It's a, it's a slippery slope. If you don't watch it, you'll, money will become your God. And you didn't even realize it. You'll wake up one day and go, oh my gosh. I spend all my time, effort, energy, thoughts, Passion on making money and not serving God. And this is the way it shows up today. You miss your calling. You don't do what God's called you to do because you're too busy making, serving money. The word money is translated into mammon. Mammon is the Aramaic word for riches. And Jesus is saying you're going to come to a crossroad where you're going to see God and you're going to see riches. And you're going to have to decide which one you're going to serve. Here's the funny thing I've learned about money. Money always says, please trust me. But it's never bold enough to say, I'll always be there for you. Right? Money will tell you, man, trust me, trust me, I got everything you need. A little more money, you're going to be fine. A little more money, everybody's going to like you. A little more money, all your problems are going to go away. Trust me, it's going to be good when you got some more of me. But it never says, I'm going to, I'm not, I promise I won't turn my back on you. You know, God's the only one that says, I won't turn my back on you. He says, trust me, and I will be there for you. <laughs> Making sense? God is opposed to us trusting in riches instead of him. Jesus made an illustration in Mark chapter 12 that I think is pretty, pretty powerful. Mark chapter 12, verse 41, when it comes to money, you got to see this. Jesus, it says this, that Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor woman, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, say surplus, but she poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now watch this. You got to pick this up in scripture. Jesus is so concerned about your giving and your handling of money that he was intentional enough to go to the temple one day, sit down. I got to go on this side. Else I'm going to sit on my mic to sit down and watch people give. So watch this. Jesus is sitting there and he's watching these people give. Some rich folks come up, drop some big old coins in the, in the collection plate. Good. Some more come up, drop some more in the offering plate. Good. Little widow comes. Tell she ain't got much. 
puts in two little coins. The Bible says small coins. Drops them in there, and Jesus says, hey, boys, come see. you got to see this. Come here. You see that woman right there? She just outgave everybody else in the building. And they're like, no, she didn't. That was two little bitty coins. She didn't give more than that first guy. Oh, yes, she did. Because she gave out of what she was living on, not out of her surplus. You see it? Jesus thought it was so important to, that he thinks that giving is so important that he sat down to watch the offering being taken up. And he says the widow gave more than the rest. You see, with God, it's not how much you give. It's what it costs you to give. I was waiting for a better amen than that. It's not how much you give. It's what it's costing you to give it. You see, if money is your God, you can only give from your surplus and you're not going to miss it. You, you, you have this fear of missing something. Right? And so you only give out of your surplus. You only give out of your extra. If you got a little line up, you, you throw it out. You, you throw a little extra out here and there. If, if money's your God. If God is your God, you throw it all, all your chips in the middle of the table. You're like, I'm all in. Here it is. <laughs> Lord, this is what I got here. I need you. This ain't working for me, but I need you. It costs you something. Come on, tell me you're seeing this this morning. It's going to cost you something. If you're giving out of your surplus... You might be serving the wrong God. Jesus said to his disciples to teach him a powerful lesson. He said this widow gave more than everybody else. Why was Jesus so concerned with their giving? Good question. Why is he so concerned with our giving? If you back up to Malachi chapter 3, we'll get to that verse later on, but I'm just going to touch on it real quick. In Malachi chapter 3, most of you have heard this a million times because we use it to, to, to take up a tithe offering and to get people to give. Okay, we use Malachi 3. In Malachi 3, the Bible says that when you give your tithe in the offering, not only does it say it breaks the curse off of your life and pours out a blessing on you, but it says that God himself will open up the windows of heaven and pour on you more than you can contain. Right? How many of you believe that scripture to be true? You agree with that verse? Right? I believe it. I stand on that verse. Right? Well, how does God know who to open the window to and not open it to? He's got to be watching. He's got to be watching. And he's not looking at your wallet. You got to get this. He's not looking at your wallet. He's looking at your heart. And he don't care really what you put in the offering. He cares what comes from your heart. So stop thinking that tithes and offerings is about your wallet. It's about your heart. He could pour, he, he brought money from a fish. Peter, cash your, cash your line up in that ditch over there, son. Pulls in a big old bass with a coin in his mouth. Now go pay your taxes. He don't need your money. He'll pull it out of a fish. But what he wants is your heart. Come on, you got to see this this morning. He wants your heart. He's looking at your heart. You know, it's 
<laughs> what I'm about to say, I'm not going to say it to condemn you. And I'm not saying it to guilt you. I want you to understand that clearly. I'm about to make you aware of some things that may surprise you. In this campus right here in Eunice, 27% of the people tithe. 73% don't. tithe, 73%, 27% tithe, 27% tithe, 73% don't. I'm your pastor. Just to make sure we're all clear, I'm not proud of that. Let me tell you why. Because if scripture's clear, When you don't tithe and you hold your tithe, your first 10% of your income in your own pocket to meet your own needs, the Bible says you're cursed. This is what the Bible says. I'm not satisfied with 73% of the people in this church living under a curse. I want 73% of the people that are living under the curse to come out of that curse and live in the blessings of God. To experience the blessings of God. It ain't about your money. God's going to provide everything this church is ever going to need. But it's about your heart. And it's about your freedom. Come on somebody. It's about your freedom. Jesus died to set you free. Let him set you completely free. You want freedom in your marriage. You want freedom in your soul. You want freedom in your emotions. You want freedom from your hurts and your wounds. Why not get you some financial freedom also? Oh, me or oh, my, one or the other. <laughs> but I, I sit back. And I, had to, I, had to, I had to learn a lesson a couple years ago that I have to look at this. I'll be honest. I don't want to be up in your, in your financial business because some of you are offended that I would even say that. You're like, you better get up out of my business. Listen to me. I realized a couple years ago I needed to know that information. You want to know Why? So that I could better pastor you. It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. You ought to come up here. It's really tough. Because I'm talking to you about your money. I can stay at home and mind my own money. (laughs) Right? Say that's good. Yeah, some of you said they're like, okay, move on to the next point. (laughs) Who did the widow trust in? She trusted in God. Giving to the kingdom of God is the best way to keep you from trusting in money. God's system works like this. God wants us to give, right? How many of you would agree with that? God wants us to give. But here's the point. God also wants us to receive. Because there's a pretty plain principle that says if you don't receive, you can't give. Holla. That's simple math right there. If you you ain't got nothing, you can't give nothing. I said that in my move for you. Okay? It's impossible to give if you don't understand how to receive from God. Watch this in Proverbs chapter 8. By the way, Proverbs 8 is a a chapter on wisdom. So when it talks about people or it sounds personal, it's talking in the the person of wisdom, if that made any sense or not. (laughs) Proverbs 8.10 says this. 
Choose my instruction. This is wisdom speaking. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. The Bible's not saying you shouldn't have silver or gold. Don't hear that message. I don't want you to become a money hater. I'm not asking you to do that. There was finances that followed Jesus all through his ministry. It went on into Paul's ministry. He talked constantly about moving gifts from here to there to finance the work of the kingdom. Okay? So God does not want you to not have money. I think I said that right. He wants you to have riches, but he doesn't want riches to have you, pretty simply put, right? So he's saying, choose instruction and knowledge over riches. He's saying this simply, wisdom is better than riches. Come on, wisdom is better than riches. I'm going to prove it to you this morning. The currency of God's kingdom is wisdom. It's how we receive his blessings is through wisdom. You got to change the way you're thinking about money. It's not about dollar bills anymore. It's about wisdom. Wisdom is the currency of God's financial system. Let me give you four thoughts on wisdom. Number one, hopefully you're taking notes. Wisdom comes before blessing. Wisdom comes before blessing. Do you know it was established before the material world was ever created? Wisdom was there. Before God spoke and put the world, the planet into existence, wisdom was there before that. Wisdom wisdom existed before any material thing was formed. You got to get your mindset in this. Wisdom was there before Proverbs eight twenty two to 23 says this, the Lord formed me talking about wisdom from the beginning before he created anything else. I was appointed in ages past at the very first before the earth began. So I want you to put your science hat on for a minute this morning because there's some things you need to understand matter, air, water, breath, gravity. Before they existed, wisdom was already there. Now, we call those the, the laws, of, um, laws of physics. We call those the laws of physics. But let me, let me bust somebody's bubble this morning. It's called the laws of physics only because man finally had a revelation of God's supreme wisdom. He names it, oh, well, that's the laws of physics. And he sounds like a genius. You ain't a genius. You just got a revelation. That's the supreme wisdom of God. Are you seeing it? Say, I'm seeing it. If you're seeing it. It was there before anything existed. God's wisdom was established before he created the earth. Wisdom comes before material things. And money is a material thing. Wisdom was there before money. So it might be better to have wisdom instead of money. I'm working on you, three of you. We're going to get better. Wisdom comes before blessing. When we get that right, we'll stop looking for money and we'll start asking for wisdom. Come on. (laughs) You see, when money's not your God, you don't ask for it. You ask for wisdom instead. I'm 44, about to be 45 one day. Yeah, I know, kill. I used to say that too, 45 is still young, y'all. Can I get a witness? I'm realizing now and I'm even praying more now than ever for God to give me his wisdom. 
I don't want to pray for exactly what I need because watch this. I don't really know what I need. I might think I need $2,000 and the Lord says, no, you just need a good idea, son. And I'll put a couple more zeros behind that 2000 Stop chasing money, start chasing wisdom. Number two, wisdom is better than money. Wisdom is better than money. Proverbs 8.19 says, my gifts, wisdom's gifts, are better than gold, even the purest gold. Wisdom is, is it, it, wisdom, if you have wisdom, your wealth will be honest and your wealth will last. With wisdom. How many people you know, they get their, what, they get a tax return. Whoo, how much you getting today? How much you getting this year, girl? Girl, I'm giving me a couple thousand. Oh, yeah, what you going to, I already got it spunt. Oh, yeah, what you going to spunt it on? This, this, and this. And within a week, it's gone, right? That's not wisdom. The Bible calls that folly. A lot of people say, Pastor, I, I gave my tithe, but I didn't see any money. I've heard some people say that. I've also heard a lot of people say, Pastor, I tithe and I got money. But some people say, Pastor, I didn't tithe. I mean, I tithe, but I didn't get any money. I wonder if God's currency back to you is wisdom. And if wisdom is better than money, I wonder if God's not doing you better than if he would have just gave you money. I'm asking a question. I don't know. You know? Maybe it's better to have wisdom than to have money. Wisdom can come in the form of an idea, and that idea, when acted upon, can turn into money, if that's necessary. The first thing we should ask for is wisdom. Why? Because God wants to set you up for the future. Your whole life needs you don't even know you're going to have yet. Come on, wrap your head around that. He wants to set you up for things that are coming down the road. You can work harder. Or you can work smarter. (laughs) I was hoping you was going to finish that for me, but you didn't. It's up to you. It's really up to you to work smarter, to work hard. But God wants to give you ideas, and those ideas will, will, will be how he pays you back. Wisdom is better. Number three, wisdom channels God's blessings. Here's the verse in Malachi. Malachi 3, verse 10. Wisdom channels God's blessings. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do so, the Lord of heaven's armies, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the heavens, open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. First thing he says is to bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Say all. Okay. The storehouse is the local church that you belong to, that you connected to, that you're growing in. That's called the storehouse. So what he's saying is you need to bring all of your tithe into the storehouse. He didn't say bring 5% into the storehouse and send 5% to TBN to somebody that don't know you, can't speak into your life, and can't help you in a crisis. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough. So there will be enough. 
Enough what, pastor? Enough resources to build the people that God's trusted us with. Enough resources to reach more lost people. Enough resources to meet the needs of the people in our city and in our region. Enough. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough to do what I want to do. You can't do that with 27% of the people tithing. If I put a smile on my face, does it feel better? Come on. It's time for us to get serious. Do you know tithing says something about your spiritual maturity? (laughs) I'm really trying to tread lightly here. I ain't going to lie to you. (laughs) Tithing says a lot about your spiritual maturity. If you don't trust God, you're spiritually immature. If you don't trust God with your finances, you're spiritually immature. That means you hadn't gotten there yet. I'm okay with that if you're a new believer. But if you've been walking with God for some time, Shah, it's time to start tithing. Come on. Who's got you? Who's got you? Who are you serving? Mammon or God? the only place in scripture the bible says where god says to test me now some of you guys might relate to this when we were in in grade school you know we used to talk trash about who's the baddest dude on the playground you know all that and i was back you wouldn't believe this but back in those days i was skinny skinny like some of y'all were skinny but i was skinny coach told me if i didn't put on weight i couldn't play football that's how skinny i was but we'd, be, we'd get on the playground, right, and it was always trash talking. You go to any elementary school in this town today, and you're going to see some boys out there trying to establish some kind of a pecking order. Right? Who's the man? Who's not the man? I'm the man. No, you ain't the man. I'm the man. And it's all fun and games until somebody says, oh, yeah? That's how we did it back in my day. Step across that line. And then the dude on the other side was like, uh-oh. It just got real. I wonder if he got something I don't know about. And then what's funny about humans is we on the other side of the line. He goes, I pray don't step across that line. Don't step across that line. Please don't step across that line. What am I going to do if he steps across that line? Oh, my God. All of a sudden, it gets serious, right? God drew a line in the sand right there. And he said, listen, boys and girls, test me. Test me. Had a guy in the first service. Fairly new to Christ. Preached on finances earlier in the year. Talked pretty hard about tithing. And he got it. He's a salesman. Went back to work, started tithing the next week. Or maybe even tithed that week. Starts tithing. Sends me a text message two, three weeks later. Says, hey, pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. I can't even believe it myself. I haven't sold anything more than what I normally sell. I haven't done anything. I'm not working any harder. But my finances have somehow or another increased. I started tithing three weeks ago. I was like, boom. Come on, God. He tested you and you showed up. Shazam. Right? I mean, that just calls for a good old Shazam. Come on, y'all don't say Shazam. Sends me a text the other day. Says, hey, pastor, I'm now the number one salesman in our company in the nation. 
Shazam. <laughs> All because he decided to tithe, come out from underneath the curse and step into the blessing. I wonder if God gave him some wisdom in his sales. I wonder if God spoke to him during the week and maybe he didn't even realize it was God, but dropped, downloaded an idea in his mind and he did something. He acted on that and boom, it turned into something magnificent. Wisdom channels God's blessings. You got to be careful though. You got to be careful not to have a poverty mindset because this is what a poverty mindset looks like. You get so focused on the hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth. I got to meet my needs today. I'm so worried about today. Oh my God, we're going to have enough today. Hand to mouth, hand to mouth that you never look up to see what God has ahead of you. You're so focused on making it past today or maybe the end of the month. That you never look up to see what God has for you in the future. I'm telling you today, there are creative ideas and wisdom locked up in some of you that you don't even know you got inside of you yet. All of heaven is going, man, I'm waiting for the day when he or she discovers what's inside of them. And they receive that wisdom that God downloads into them and they do something that's supernatural. I see it in guys all the time when I sit across the table from them and we're talking about their marriage and we're talking about something else. I'm looking at them and going, man, you got so much in you. You got so much in you, but you're living hand to mouth and you can't see that God's got a future for you. It's bigger than what you know. <laughs> I've heard people say, but pastor, you don't know who I work for. I can't tithe because of these people I work for. I understand that. I asked for a raise one time. I told Pastor Josh and Pastor Zach this the other day. We laughed about it. I went to the boss one time. I said, hey, man, I need a raise. I didn't say it that, you know, I didn't say it that strong. I said, I said hey, boss, I need a raise. He said, all right, I'll see what I can do. Comes back three days later. He says, hey, got you a raise. Man, thank you, boss. How much did I get? 50 cents. <laughs> you joking, right? 50 cents. You go over, you clown, man. You go, tell me how much I got to raise for. Yeah, 50 cents. You know what I said inside? I can't say it in church. People use other people as an excuse to not do or, or step into what God's called them to step into. And what they don't realize is that God will never put your life in somebody else's hands. Your life is in his hands. Man can tell you no, and God can still get you to go. Are you hearing me this morning? Man can say you ain't nothing. You ain't worth nothing. And a lot of men will tell you that it worked to keep you beat down and keep you cheap. But listen to me. You're a creation of God. You've been made in his image. And if you've got the Holy Spirit living on side of you, inside of you, there's nothing you can't do. And the day you realize that is the day your life's going to start to change. No man can hold you down if God's for you. If God's for you, who can stand against you? Nobody. Say, they can't hold me down. Y'all didn't say that. Say, they can't hold me down. But you can hold you down. 
you can stop the channel of blessings in your life. One of my best friends in the whole world gave me one of the best analogies about God's kingdom. He said, listen to me. I've learned this about tithing. He said, tithing is as simple as this. He said, think of it as a water faucet. When you tithe, God opens the water faucet all the way. And he says, he pours out on you more than you can drink or even contain. He says, when you stop tithing, God shuts off the faucet. In that moment, I went, Shazam. That was good. I can stop up what God wants to do in my life with my attitude, with my disobedience, or with my obedience. I can stop up what God wants to do in my life. It's on me. Nobody else can stop it, but I can. Amen? Wisdom channels God's blessings to us. And here's the last point. Wisdom has to be converted. If you think of a power plant, a power plant takes coal or it takes water and it converts it into raw power, which is electricity, right? I don't know if many of you know this, but then they take that, they convert that water and coal into electricity at this power plant that you don't like and you fuss about. And then it takes that raw power and it sends it out in these little bitty wires and it ends up at your house, So when you flip the switch, the lights come on. And when you turn on the air conditioner, it gets cool. All those things. Power has to be converted. They take coal and water and convert it into electricity. We have to convert wisdom into blessing. You got to get this. You can't get out of here without the last point. When God gives you wisdom, it's your responsibility to act on it and convert it. The just shall walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It takes faith for Peter to get his, his, his feet out the boat and onto the water. Amen? Without faith, Peter doesn't step into the water. Without faith, you're not going to convert wisdom into blessing. You can have all the wisdom in the world and never act on it, and all you're going to be is constipated. I'm going to tell you straight. You won't forget that analogy. Sorry, I I know that was gross. But honestly, it's true. And the older I get, the more I realize it's true. You know how many constipated? You know how many stopped up Christians we got today? Does that feel better? Just stopped up, stopped up with themselves. They'll read their Bible, but don't do what it says. They'll pray in the Holy Ghost, but never walk in its power. They'll get some downloaded wisdom from heaven, but never act on it. Wow. It has to be converted. Look at your neighbor and say, convert it. Just convert it. You know, the seat that you're sitting in today, this chair that you're sitting on, that's comfortable. It's a comfortable chair, right? When I was growing up, there was plastic chairs. Preacher better preach short. You know, stuff's going to get numb. That chair you're sitting in had to be converted from other materials. Here's what's crazy. Is God put everything on the planet that it was going to take to make that chair that you're sitting on. 
And then he gave man the wisdom to discover the individual products. And then one day he gave him the wisdom to put them all together and form this nice cushioned seat that you can sit on and enjoy life with. And by the way, you put your faith in that chair. <laughs> I, I put my faith in them chairs too because I, I go Sundays and go, hmm, I hope that chair don't break. <laughs> we got to repair them every now and then. But no, seriously, that chair you're sitting in was converted from raw materials into something. We have to convert God's wisdom into blessing. Come on, you got it? Say, I got it. If we don't convert it, we don't experience God's full blessing. Ask God for wisdom. And when he gives it to you, act on it. And in doing so, watch what he does. Watch what he does. You'll discover something about God that you never knew before. I want to encourage you to say this to God this morning. Say this with me. Say, Lord, I'm not looking for money anymore. Okay, let's back up and do that again because some of you didn't even believe what you were saying. Say, Lord. I'm not looking for money anymore. I'm looking for wisdom. I want to end with a story of how I got into business. I just felt the Lord wanted me to share the story. Some of you have heard it. Some of you may be bored with it, but some of you have never heard it. About 2002, uh, my, the Lord moved my family to Jennings. We left a good job with my best friend's dad's company. I could be banking right now, making some real money, but I'm not. I'm blessed in other ways. I got wisdom. <laughs> the Lord told us to move. We, we, we stopped up, well, we packed up and we moved. And five years before that, my best friend was sitting in his office and he said, hey, come see. I want to show you something. And he, back, back in those days, computers were pretty boring. And you couldn't see them very clearly. So I'm standing behind the computer and I'm kind of looking like, I said, what is it? And, and he, he said, it's a curb machine. It's to make curbs. I said, oh, that's pretty cool. And it was this, this little machine about this big. No joke. It's about that big. Weighs about 200 pounds. It's got a little Honda engine on it. It's got a little plunger that pushes this mixed up concrete. You dump it in the hopper. It pushes it into a mold and it shapes it and it makes decorative landscape edges, which is pretty. Say it's pretty. It's pretty. We're going to make some money off of being pretty. And I said, I said, dude, that's cool, man. I said, I've never seen one of those before. He said, yeah, bro. It's, he said, I think it's so cool. I got all the information on it. Like everything, profit margins, what it costs to get in, how to do it. I said, wow. And he showed me. He had this whole stack of stuff. And I'm like, wow, man, that's all. I said, you're going to do it? He said, oh, no. Oh, I ain't doing that. I said, Okay. He said, you want it? I said, yeah, I'll take it. So I took the, the, the packet of stuff. And I think it was a floppy a, a disk. It was a disk somewhere. And I went home, put it in the storage closet. God tells us to move. We move. We get to Jennings, meet some new folks in Jennings at the new church in Jennings. Jennings was the only campus at the time. Met a new couple one Sunday, and, a, and I, I was for speaking on a Wednesday night, I said, you know, we need to share each other's phone numbers and go visit each other. So I gave out my phone number from the pulpit. Dumbest thing to ever do. <laughs> I haven't done it since. 
Well, they called. <laughs> and they came by and visited. And we're sitting on, me and Denny are sitting on the back porch and we're barbecuing. And he's telling me he wants to go in business for himself. And I'm telling him, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought about going into business for myself. He said, well, what would you do? I said, well, I got this little curb machine thing. I said, and I tried to explain it to him. I said, the, the profit margins are out the roof. I said, it's, it's really pretty crazy what kind of money you can make with a minimal amount of people. And I said, and he was like, really? I said, yeah. I said, he said, well, you going to do it? I said, I don't know. I said, if I ever did, I, I might would go after that. He said, well, you mind if I look at it? I sent it home with him. He calls me three days later. He goes, dude, did you see the profit margins in this business? I said, yeah. Nobody makes profit like this. I said, okay. He said, what you going to do? I said, I don't know. You going to do something with it? I said, maybe. He said, well, if you don't do something with it, I'll take it. Which then I went, well, I guess I need to do something with it. <laughs> I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, I promise you. We took that little package of stuff and we sat down and we began to pray over it. We went and talked to Pastor Bubba several times. We talked to the banks. They told us no. They wouldn't loan us the money to get started. One day I'm driving to work. I felt a peace in my heart about starting a business. I'm driving to work. And the Holy, I was praying, and the Holy Spirit said, put in your two-week notice today. And I said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> put in your two-week notice today. I said, okay. So I called Denny. I said, hey, bro, I'm putting in my two-week notice today. What? Huh? What? What? I'm putting in my two-week notice today. I'm quitting. It's time to go into business. Uh, I got to call my wife. I'll call you right back. True story. <laughs> Wisdom. <laughs> I didn't call my wife. He did. He was smarter than me. Needless to say, make the long story short, we quit our jobs, stepped out by faith with a lot of prayer and a lot of counseling, okay, and we started a business. The first two years of business, we struggled. By year three, we started making some money. By year four, we were making some real money. And it blew my mind what God was able to do from a simple little idea of a curb machine. He gave us wisdom. And I sat on that wisdom for five or six years before I stepped out on it. When I stepped out on it, it converted into blessings. I gave more than I was ever able to give my entire life because I converted God's wisdom into blessing. Are you seeing this? Now, I'm not saying quit your job tomorrow. I'm not saying go start a company. I don't know what God's telling you today, but there's something inside of you that God wants to bring out of you. And all he's waiting is for you to step out on it. It may be to get a second job. It may be to finish your degree. It may be to go and help some people and volunteer your time somewhere. God's given you something. Just act on it. Amen? We don't need more money. We need more wisdom.